Oh, welcome to the podcast with your host, Laura. <coughs> oh, sorry, <coughs> something in my throat. <coughs> oh, that's better. Yes, welcome to my podcast, Walk with Lawrence, the podcast where I walk and talk with some wonderful human beings. Some of them will be my friends. Some of them will be people I've just met. Either way, it's going to be a scrumptiously delightful conversation that I hope you get a lot from. I hope you have some laughs. I hope you have some tears. A whole range of emotions. Either way, I hope you enjoy it and. I love you very much, and thank you very much. Here's the podcast. This week's guest is another fellow PT. We have both been coaching for over 10 years each, individually, uh, which will form the basis of our conversation today. He is a tall, was it long? No, he's a tall man. He's a tall man. I'm thinking six foot six inches. Correct. Correct, okay. Um, he is as large a character as he is in stature, a desirable, charming human. In fact, one might say a most eligible bachelor <laughs> indeed. Hmm. Little clue there, little hint perhaps. Uh, he owns a leading PT studio in Clapham Junction where he has developed a strong reputation for helping young mums to rebuild their strength during those postnatal months. In fact, the slogan goes, lifting weights and spirits since, like, what was the date? 2009. 2009, which, those who are handy at maths might be able to calculate, is exactly 10 years ago, right? So that is what the episode will be about today. The fitness industry, 10 years ago, then and now, with Mr. Alex Marks. What an introduction. My goodness, Lawrence Price, thank you so much, my man. You sexy man. You are really sexy. (laughs) So obviously we're going to keep this conversation purely about fitness, having, you know, become wise old heads in the industry, respected figures, the go-tos for anything fitness related, top of the tree, um, um, too much? I mean, maybe, I think some, yeah. some wiser than others, Lawrence, no. you and your, your beautiful grey, <laughs> silver foxish hair, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, um, it's obvious that you're a man of more experience than I am. No, oh, well thank you, maybe, you know, give you a couple of years, a couple of years, <laughs> so as I say, you know, obviously we are, we are, mega amazing personal mm. trainers i mean like cream of the, the crop cream of the crop the creme de la creme de la mm. creme the cream of the cream of the, the creme, creme fresh the creme fresh <laughs> um so you know it would be rude for us to do anything other than talk purely about fitness don't slip into any other subcategories or anything else like that no. this is about the fitness industry mm. 10 years ago then and now and you know because we are such immaculately experienced fitness professionals. That's all we're going to talk about. Do do, do you hear what I'm saying? I understand. That's all I'm going to talk about is the professional industry. So reality TV. (laughs) (laughs) My wife, my my wife was addicted to the bachelor. It's the elephant in the room. Come on. She was addicted to the bachelor. She would watch it every night and like the extended episodes. and She even had a WhatsApp group with her mates at school and they'd be like, did you see (laughs) last night's episode? I got you to call the house and FaceTime once and she lost her shit. She had to leave the room. How is it dealing with that kind of pressure? I mean, this is my wife and the, the very sort of whisper of your name in our house, her, her knees go weak. My goodness. How I does mean, it feel? 
it feels it feels great that I have the same effect as you do on your wife. <laughs> I definitely don't have that effect. <laughs> no, yes, you do. Of course, you do. Uh, any woman would be lucky to have you as their husband, and she she knows she knows all too well how I much of an amazing man you are. Can you actually tell her that? Because I don't think she knows. I mean, sure. you know, like familiarity breeds contempt. I'll tell her tonight. That's not a problem. Yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, um, so, yeah, too much of a good thing. I think that's that's what happens in marriage. You get you you know. And obviously she knows that as, as, well, as much as having the creme de la creme on the fitness professional front, she mm. has the creme de la creme on the husband front. But, you know, you get to a point where... How does she cope? When you reach your Everest, where do you go from there? It's true. There is no peak higher and you feel probably very empty and hollow after that because you have achieved the, the ultimate. I mean, please give us some advice, you know. And you're the most modest man I've ever met in my <laughs> life, Lawrence Price. My goodness. Well, that's, you know, like you've managed to, you know, you've, you've been on primetime TV, you've been in the throes of the public eye, and yet you've managed to keep it real and remain Alex Marks, PT, Clapham Junction, who takes pride in his day-to-day work, which is helping others. I mean... Appreciate that. Yeah, I think that's... I think that's um, I, first of all, I, let me say I really, really do truly appreciate that because I think it's so often that um, people that all of a sudden have interest or a blue tick thrown onto their social media um, can obviously lose their identity a little bit and I always knew that regardless of the result of the show whether it being a success or, or not or you know the outcome any public interest I was always going to have my hand in the fitness industry and you know the success of the show dictated that I was very much still able to keep both hands in the pot and um, no, I re- really appreciate that and very proud of both the studio what I've accomplished but also my team um, in Clapham Junction. Or your team, we were chatting about that earlier. You've yeah. got an amazing team, um, some of the best PTs around, but you're all quite lucky because they're your mates as well. I suppose that kind of keeps it real for you a little bit. When you go back to work, these are people working in your studio, but they're your mates. Yeah, it's great turning up every day and seeing the familiar faces, and they all bring such a great energy. So, um, yeah, no, it's, it's very good. Anyone that wants to come down and, and hang out with us, train with us, then you know, you know where to call. Do it. Mm. Um, okay, Alex, so yeah, this is going to be quite a nostalgic episode full of reflection and acknowledgement for how far the fitness industry has come, perhaps, over 10 years. Um, so let's rewind. Let's take it back to the beginning. How and when did you first start out as a PT? So, circa 2009. You joined I the left, circus in 2009. I did join the circus in 2009. The circus called the fitness industry. Oh, yes. That was becoming. Yes. Yes. So good. So good. Um, no, I, so at university, I studied physical education at Leeds Metropolitan University. Um, LMU till I die. Um, and Sorry? Leeds Metropolitan University. Okay. Until I die. Until I die? Yeah. Oh. This is what we used to sing at Oceana at 9pm till midnight. Oh, okay. Sorry. Okay, okay. Sorry. Um, <laughs> um, but yes, no, so I did that. And then I think uh, in one of the summers, I had to do some work experience and, hmm. and, um, and chose all my electives after having worked in a gym for that summer, <clears throat> excuse me, um, around sort of broadening my knowledge about biomechanics and outdoor adventurous activities and management and maintenance of weight loss. And, Go away. Have you ever tried um, that? I haven't done okay. Go away. It's no, quite an adventurous outdoor activity. It sounds fun. I'm quite tall. I'd probably swing from, try to swing. You, yeah, you might not need tree. some of the uh, assisted harnesses, but health and safety would probably insist that you need Yeah, them. they do. So yeah, I think, you know, <laughs> thanks so much. <laughs> Tarzan-esque. God, I've not been called that since. I knew this was going to be a tricky episode to be yeah. serious about, but... It's so hard. Come on. It's so You're hard. You're doing well. I'm going to pipe down. 
Um, so, what so, was I talking about? Yeah. <laughs> Tangent number I don't one. Know. Something about your past. Oh yeah, that's it. Yeah. So ten years in the industry. I did. I graduated from uni and went straight into personal training. Minus a three month hiatus mm. in the recruitment consultancy world. It's a lot of people did that. I think a lot of people kind of came out of university thinking, okay, I've got a degree now. Mm. Oh, but I've got all this debt. Oh, I kind of this is my passion, but I should earn some money. Oh, that job looks like it's got plus thirty grand in it. I'll go into that, and then you end up in recruitment. And after six months or whatever it might be, mm. you kind of think, no. Well, no, I hated it straight away. I actually yeah. went on a holiday to New York inside my probation period and handed my letter of resignation <laughs> when I got back. <laughs> went straight to Fitness First, and then yeah, so so started my real true career as a PT. so Fitness First in mm. London, Clapham Junction. Um, probably no more than 20 metres from the front door of my now current oh, That studio. is amazing. Yeah. So literally 10 years on the, on, on the same sort of street, so you really mm. can get under the skin of not just the art of uh, coaching fitness, but also understanding, you know, the community, the pressures of city life and how to help people within that city urban jungle find freedom of movement and to tap into their inner go ape. Well-being. Well-being, that's the word. Well, yes. Actually, I actually draw upon a lot of experience that I did learn in those three months as a uh, consultant because you learn how to manage the expectations of certain people and talk mm. city, because mm. I'm from the countryside originally. So, yes, yeah. um, But no, that was all valuable. And yeah, over the last decade, we've seen some changes, haven't we, Lawrence? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> in, all, in all honesty, we'll get to that, Alex. We'll okay, get to, I'm asking the questions here. My bad. Um, in all honesty... In consideration of where the industry was back then, mm. and the word circus <laughs> has been already used in this, yeah. um, urban jungle, mm-hmm. that's a different reference for something else. Did you ever think you'd be carving out a real life and a proper adult career within the fitness industry back then with the way it was? I mean, be honest with me. I don't think I looked past a year in front of you, to be honest, I, I think I was, since, if I look at sort of my time in the industry, I definitely had helping hands to say, hey, what's your one-year goal? What's your three- and five-year goals? Mm. Lululemon were fantastic at helping me yeah. sort of assess, assess my own growth in that front. But initially, when I started out, I just thought, this is a job. This is stuff that I really enjoy. I'm certified. Let's go for it. Mm. Um, so I had no expectations. Um, of where I would be. If you'd asked me back then where I'd be now, I would not have been able to tell you. Yeah, it's 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 a funny one, isn't it? I mean, like per- personally, I thought it because I I played rugby, kind of like semi pro, and so that was taking up a bit of time, making a bit of an income. And I thought, um, you know, I started being PT because I similar because I was passionate about fitness and I loved being coached and I loved coaching people. But I probably thought that, you know, it would be a good way to spend my twenties playing rugby and coaching people, being active and earning money. But when I got to my 30s, I'd have to get a real job, a proper adult, traditional job. <laughs> it's probably where my head was at. And lo and behold, 10 years, 10, 12, 13 years on. Now, I say this all the time, but the fitness industry is a genuine place in which you can carve out a career. And there's so many opportunities. It's such a thriving industry. I kind of feel that I was lucky, all jokes aside, about being creme de la creme and all that. Well, all jokes aside, you know, I started, you know, 10, 12 years, well, 12, 13 years ago, this um, next Easter. Um, and Silver Fox. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but never really kind of expected it to, to turn into the, the career that it has. And I feel lucky, like I've, I was lucky that I started early, that I fell on my feet, because now obviously it's huge. A lot of people getting into fitness 
got some stats later for you on that one. Oh, great. Um, well, I agree because I think actually starting the industry, starting in the industry now is probably harder than it was back then. Yeah. I think there's more competitive. More people coaching, more PTs. More people coaching. And I think there's also a lot of sort of mental pressures that come with that. And that's all social media. And again, we'll talk about that in a minute. But mm. I think back then we had a certificate and sort of a can do, let's go earn money attitude. Whereas now I think there's a lot more things to consider before you come into the fitness yeah, industry. Yeah, but was the psyche of the public then in the mindset of they wanted to financially invest in their fitness and that they would actually pay someone to take them through fitness as much? I mean, nowadays, because of social media, because of the way fitness is booming in not just the fitness industry, but in, you know, um, you know fashion, leisure wear, all these other industries now overlapping, people are really kind of like into uh, the whole... Um, idea of, of investing in their fitness because back then it was quite it was harder to find a client was it or yeah I, I think I think you're right I think there's a definite more consciousness about health and fitness now because I think we're presented with it more mm. but I think back then I think you're probably right people were sort of just going to the gym because it was something to do in the evenings and they wanted to feel good um, perhaps I think it's less derived of performance goals more just a sort of just something that they did yeah yeah that's true um, but um. Because I wonder how you feel on this, because I remember when I started out, I think I spent 90% of my time marketing myself and 10% yeah. of my time doing any coaching. Were you naked? <laughs> sadly, this <laughs> Is that was, what you did? Sadly, this was before the um, sort of uh, social media image orientated platform. So right. I had to do it the old fashioned way and knock on doors and go to offices and stuff. Did but you do that? Did you do cold calling walks? And... I did everything, you know, yeah. like you turn up at you know, um, law firms and offer everyone two free sessions because I felt it was two sessions for them to get into yeah. it. One, one session to break the ice and then second session to see what I was about and so yeah. on. Um, so you work, you know, you work a lot for, for, for free and yeah. you, you'd maybe have one client at 6.30am, one at 9pm and in the middle time you, you're, you're trying to find more. I did exactly the same, minus the law firms <laughs> and, and, two, and two free sessions. I literally walked up and down Northcott Road with a TRX wrapped around my waist with, <laughs> my goodness, um, flashbacks with boxing gloves attached to them. I thought you were going to say boxers. <laughs> boxers, just boxers. Um, that would have looked kinky. No, I, I literally just walked up and down Northcote Road stopping people and saying, hi, what are your fitness goals? Oh my just goodness. just being that sort of like upfront guy. Dude, that is bold. Did it really work? Really bold. Yeah, it did. I remember like pulling clients in straight off on the street and doing a hour free session there and then. Are you sure they weren't just drunk out of the pub and you're like... No, they were all women pushing prams. <laughs> oh, okay. So, yeah. So, you know, we uh, everyone sees you now. Um, and I remember even before you and I properly got to know each other a number of years ago, I knew about you because you were all over the Lululemon shop and we had um, friends in common. You're you modelling, so you'd pop up here and there and everything else. And I was speaking to people, other fitness professionals who knew about you and they'd say how, you know, you you would literally be doing training sessions whilst holding your client's babies. And so and I remember back then I was like, I don't think anyone else is doing this. And you were, you were the guy kind of doing it many years ago. And you've now become very well known for that in the, you know, particularly in the last year off the back of the Bachelor and the publicity mm. you got from that. But this started 10 years ago. No, so I, I did the pre and post qualification um, probably about six years ago now. Okay. But, um, but yes, yeah, so certainly when I moved to what was Zinc Fitness, now on your mock studio, um, I became more qualified and yeah, I, I, I guess there is, if you look at my social media and you know a little bit about me, then yeah, I am very much sort of trying to be an empathetic man in a very women orientated world and that's surrounding pre and postpartum exercise and, and I think it's a damn privilege or take it as a damn privilege to be able to sort of 
be trusted with the sort of exercise and mm. and other things that I can sort of help influence uh, mums mums achieve. So, um, so yeah, you will see me carry babies. It's amazing. It's, it's absolutely amazing because it's such. I know from personal experience, and you know we've had we've had two kids and getting back into training. There's so many factors that make it um, a sensitive time physically and emotionally. Having the right coach who doesn't just know their shit, but also has that emotional intelligence and um, able to have that those 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 hard conversations is so key and is huge. It makes such a big difference. And uh, on honestly, I, I've seen how hard it is and how many different avenues sometimes people have to go down to try and find what works. But you've you've created something special there, and it's quite unique. Appreciate that. I think I think it's um there. There's a degree of empathy that I'm trying to continue to grow and learn about because um, as a man I think I've won the lottery of life like I haven't had to deal with um, a huge exchange uh, changes of hormones from um, a young age and sort of when women first have their periods you know I haven't had to go through and won't have to go through pregnancies um, or menopause and I think the more that as a man I can educate myself around these and empathize and sympathize with that understanding the the greater good that I can do and show that I'm, I'm, I can be a part of that world. What, how do you, do you notice a difference with your interaction with your, um, your postnatal clients? Dif, you know, is it a different kind of dimension to um, other, um, maybe female PTs working with other female postnatal clients? Or do you think actually it doesn't, sex doesn't come into it at all? I don't think sex comes into it. Yeah. No, if I'm being honest, I just think, you know, I'm here to do a job, let's crack on. And, you know, yeah. if they want to share sort of how they're feeling on a certain day, then, you know, I'll do my best to sympathise and understand that. I think, you know, it, I, minus, minus the fact that I am a few organs short of being able to give birth myself, I think there's not an awful lot difference of difference between yeah. um, a, a, a woman that hasn't had a baby training a mother mm-hmm. than there is a man. Yeah, I, I find it an interest, interesting, fascinating topic. I mean, but presumably there, it, there seem to be a lot less men um, taking on as a niche to specialise in. Let's keep it that way, shall we? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, do do why do you think that is? Do do you think? Uh, I know it's always tricky not to speculate, but yeah, I mean, without speculating too hard, I just think sort of male personal trainers probably get into the industry because they are performance based, um, sort of athletic or you know former athletes, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and are looking for that to try and sort of um, I guess share their skill set in their experience. Whereas mm. you know, I never really was a high performing athlete. Um, and I'm just sort of looking at personal training and I love helping people and exercise is a sort of a, a vehicle to be able to do that. It's great. So I just looked at my target market and obviously got qualified for a fairly personal reason around being post, postnatal. Mm. Um, and I found that actually, as soon as I started to working with mothers mm. there, they were so much more engaged with the personal training session than mm. Uh, then perhaps say a, a city broken might have been coming in at six yeah. o'clock in the morning or, or cancelling their third session in a row at eight thirty at night. Yeah. Because they're on the piss. So I just invest my time with people that will really truly benefit and want to learn and, and that was and that was really, you know, a turning point in my career. It's a really interesting point. I haven't actually thought that before, but it is such as I say, it's such a key period in in a woman's uh, life, uh, again, having seen it with, with my wife on a couple of occasions, rebuilding that physical um, strength and a knock-on effect that it has to, you know, our, our post um, in those post-birth months, which are always a bit of a hazy blur. 
Um, and so you, it really does mean a lot. Um, it does, yeah. It really I think does it, mean a lot. And they, you know, there are loads of ebbs and flows of both sort of like body confidence, hormonal, this, that and the other. And I think actually if you can start to exercise and sort of really narrow the focus down onto simple skills that will both, they will both feel physically um, and sort of benefit from mentally as well, I think that you know it can be that one bit of consistency that is for them because all of a sudden as a parent, regardless of whether you're a father or mother, you are now completely and utterly selfless. Mm. You have to be. Um, and to sort of be selfish and almost have that hour with a trainer um, pays so much forwards. Like you feel so much more, I don't know, grateful for that hour, I think. And, and, yeah. and you know, I take pride in it's true. enjoying that. Mate, so. it's true. It's, I, I find that really interesting. I hadn't thought about it like, like that before. Uh, but it makes perfect sense. Um, okay, cool. So let's, um, let's flash back for a moment. So you can close your eyes for this Keep bit your if pants you like. Back on. In, <laughs> close your eyes and imagine. Me, it's, it's 2008. You're conducting a PT session. You perhaps have a clipboard. Mobile phones are banned in the gym. And any PT with using his mobile during a client session is blatantly just texting his mates back then. Maybe yeah. Nokia's and the rest of it. Yeah. Um, what else does the session look like? 2008. 2008. Well, okay, so... Um, or 2009. 2009. The gym floor, you could not... So I used to... A fitness first Clapham Junction station. The gym floor back then, I had... No. What? You literally... Are answering my next question of what oh, does right. the gym floor look like? Oh well, and what I'm, are you going to say? You know, say it. I'm going to say it. Go on. I had a meter squared yes. to yes. work it. Yes, I'm oh. not even joking. Look, what's my next question? How? Yeah, what does the gym floor look like? Machines, prioritize space. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, actually, genuinely, I think since okay, so let's do a bit of sort of like jump to and from. Now there are boutique studios where I feel like. 30 to 60% of your general gym members have now adopted that as their exercise routine as opposed to going to the gym. Back in 2009, everyone was just in your commercial gym. And as a PT, I had a metre squared. I had to sort of beg, borrow, and in some cases, sorry guys, steal equipment (laughs) from other PTs and just general gym members so I could conduct my PT session. Um, um, Actually, great that we kind of touched on this because um, at some point between then and now, Gyms started to open up that floor space, mm. removing machines in favour of human coaching. So, you know, the knowledge became valuable. The, the human interaction, that coaching element um, became the priority. When and why did this start happening in the last 10 years? Well, I think, I think sort of the execs in the sort of commercial fitness world realised quite quickly that there was the skill of a lot of the coaches were getting far greater and that they were really the the front line of the gym membership, I guess. It wasn't the people at the desk. It wasn't the manager. It was mm. actually the PTs on the gym floor that were making a club and the environment around it. So I think they just sort of tried to capitalise on that, remove, say, 10 20% of the gym machines that weren't being used regularly to open up spaces. I saw the birth of the gym floor class when I was managing Tottenham Court Road Fitness First. And it was seven minute apps, which was a very American DVD, but you know, you transfer it onto the gym floor and invite people, pull them off the treadmills, you know, say, oh, the, that ab routine you're doing there, I've seen you do it six weeks in a row. Come and join us on this one. Yeah. And that was 
a turning point, I think. I remember when it happened. Industry. I remember when fitness first started clearing out space because um, one of our friends, Tom Easton, was working in, in that yeah, place. TCR, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in Tottenham Court Road. And I think, you know, there was a managerial role that he was being a part of. And it was interesting. They were, they were seeing the different trends within the fitness industry. They were seeing the public um, looking to learn more about their own movement, uh, you know, their own kind of physically, that, that sort of brain-body link was something that people were looking for and starting to um, desire over locking himself into a machine and just pushing and pulling. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, fitness first started to clear out space and start to get people on, you know, on the floor being coached through different exercises. I think that radiated out into other fitness clubs as well, your Virgins and your Nuffields. And yeah. I don't think any time was even born back then, but I think, mm. you know, the class schedule was normally, and I guess still is dominated by, by women, but you know, it, the gym floor classes that invited guys to come away from the bench press and the squat rack yeah were, all of a sudden became like this mixing pot of men and women and i think that mm. um gyms understood that this was a real you know exciting time to be able to sort of pull what is two very separate entities into mm. one space and actually um be a benefit to their memberships do you know i think that is a really key point as well in terms of lots of the group classes and not even the boutique group um fitness gyms that were coming out um, five years ago, whenever it was, were quite female heavy. Oh yeah. Not I mean I remember going to a few and quite a few occasions being like the only guy there. Oh yeah, it was um, great. When I was single, like yeah, come on. <laughs> best time ever. Um, but but guys, guys were starting to get into group fitness and group training in a slightly different avenue, which coexisted outside of the traditional corporate gym setup. And that was something called CrossFit. Mm -hmm. So CrossFit, I think, again, had... Well, you tell me the influence on the fitness industry. Yeah, I think... Okay, so I don't do CrossFit. I'm not skilled enough. I'm not skilled enough. It's not that I haven't... I just haven't learned the skills. But it catered for that community locker room banter stuff that you sort of... I guess, elements of team fitness that you may have experienced at university or before, but gave you that opportunity to experience all of that when you were at the gym. Um, and guys would probably otherwise go in, do their bench press on a Monday, not look at anybody but the gym floor or yeah. the... Um, they didn't have phones back then, <laughs> so yeah. they would have been checking Instagram. Um, or the changing room floor and then going, going about the day. But CrossFit has given you know, an avenue or, or an aspect of people being able to go and exercise, feel really healthy in time that otherwise would be just pumping iron. And I think pumping iron is the term because there was very much a carryover from the 80s and 90s bodybuilding culture, the Gold's Gym, pumping iron Arnie. being the documentary, Arnie, you know, and obviously that still forms a big cornerstone of a lot of, you know, guys training traditionally and so on. But there's the whole functional training thing and as you say, the competitive element, the whole upskilling and planning in your upskilling and writing on the board what your scores were last month. And it's been, it's been so interesting, obviously, to, and, and also having gyms in, in, not calling them gyms, calling them boxes where it's a big warehouse and an open space and you, and you, and you, you grab equipment and you bring it into the middle or you hang off a high bar or whatever it might be. There's this huge waking up of the fitness industry since we've been in the industry in which we've seen that um, almost cult-like fitness movement yeah. like osmosis merge into the mainstream. Yeah, I agree. And I, my, my biggest reservation with actually what you just said there is 
it, that CrossFit is a cult because actually it's very inclusive and it is based around the word community, which I didn't for mean me... Was, I didn't mean it was a cult. I meant as no, in I like know. cult status. Yeah, it is. Yeah, you're right. You're you know, right. like edgy and gritty and cool, but something slightly outside of the mainstream. Yeah, I agree. It, yeah, sorry, I took it the wrong or the, another way. I just think community is a big word, as we know, and certainly in sort of 2019, community is the biggest driving factor to sort of making a, a decision as to whether you want to go to spin class or CrossFit or, you know, to some of the other amazing boutique studios that are out there. And CrossFit definitely catered for the male um, species. Yeah. Um, interesting, interesting. Um should we go back and revisit that question about what a a gym a PT session two thousand and nine looks like? Yeah, let's do that. Um, I just like the image of you with a clipboard, <laughs> no mobile phone, no, and personal trainer tattooed on a t shirt on, on my back. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it was the day. It was different back then, wasn't it? Mm. Um, and the content of sessions, obviously, we we spent ten years learning and developing our trade and vocation. We'll probably look back on sessions that we conducted. 10 years ago and to a certain degree we'd probably cringe over some stuff some stuff wouldn't oh, have changed man. some stuff would be what like what were we doing um there i mean um do you see a, a journey do you, do you see a, i mean like stylized journey in terms of how it would have looked but also in terms of the content yeah the content i mean it's interesting because i think there are elements that i'm still coaching today that i would have been doing back then but significantly better. I think, you know, yeah. as, as a PT, you, you obviously get better at things as, as you go on. But I think I was literally probably moving from machine to machine hmm. because of the availability in the space on the gym floor. Okay. Um, you know, perhaps... Oh, i tell you what I did do, though. Hmm. That there was a... Daytime clients, I would take them into the studio and get them flipping the boxing bags and sort of trying to be functional ahead of the, ahead of the time. So... That was quite a lot of fun. People would look at me and be like, what, what is he doing <laughs> yeah. in there? Why is he not <laughs> taking Lucy, who's six months postpartum, onto the bench press? I'm like, because she bloody doesn't want to do that. She wants to flip things and get angry. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, show a bit of expression. I'm not sure that um, there would be anything radically different mm. back then to, to now. It's, Although it's... sort of the technolo- technological advancements have been, you know, significant. Yeah, it's it's amazing the technological advancements along the way and what it's allowed us to do. I remember when iPads first came out, and so for a while I had to carry a laptop around for the session. I was like cradling it and my arm <laughs> typing through, and then iPads came out, which which seemed so slim and slick. Obviously now we think they're chunky, and you had those different apps where you could video someone do the movements, pause it, and draw lines and show yeah. them when they were flexing too much. Or Very whatever. guilty of that. But I mean, like it was just like these toys were coming thick and fast, and all these kind of. And then ultimately, as you say, we, you know, 10 years later, we almost, you almost return back to basics and get mm. people just to do the fundamentals well. And you'd speak to top S&C coaches for some of the leading American football teams who, you know, pioneering kind of leading edge of, of strength and conditioning. And they're like, they have, to, they have to bench press, they have to squat, deadlift, mm-hmm. uh, and they have certain benchmarks, which the, all the squat has to do. So if comp- their compound strength as a cornerstone has to be there. And then obviously they have their kind of speed and their lactate training and everything else around yeah. it. But as you say, like a lot of the actual fundamentals haven't changed. It's just we've found better ways to get people to do the fundamentals yeah. better and more accurately. And, and even the public psyche has become more in tune with the fact that it always comes back to your foundation, mm-hmm. your basics. And I think people have become easier to coach in that regard. 
I remember there was something that came out a number of years ago um, called the Skinny Bitch Collective. Oh my goodness. And all of a sudden, all of my clients were coming to me, showing me videos, saying, can we train like this? Can we train like this? And and the workouts were getting more and more elaborate. And I felt under pressure mm. to be as creative as possible with some of the workouts when I knew that person had to work on their um, squat, um, you know, positioning. Mm-hmm. Squat therapy is what they needed, mm-hmm. but they wanted to be doing a load of random movements, jumping over this. I mean, yeah. did you experience that? Yeah, I... I... I did. I think sort of people wanted to keep up with the times and it'd be very fashionable trends of styles of exercises when actually, you know, my, my integrity has always sort of said, don't go there. <laughs> don't do it. Just don't do it to yourself. Right, yeah, just we yeah, we, like yeah, we can do that. Back onto the squat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, we will not be doing single leg kick throughs with donkey kicks and um, no, please don't just wear a sports bra on the, on the gym floor. Um, I, it, it was a huge, hugely frustrating. I think um, if I'm being perfectly frank, I think the last 10 years has seen so much crap sort of surface and be in the limelight. And I think, you know, social media is a vehicle that you know, has been exploited to be able to show that. But I just want to strip it back strip it all back um, mm. just to the fundamentals the basics and obviously we've seen the rise of amazing influences like uh, like James Smith and, and Joe Wicks and Darren Cartel and, and yourself Lawrence and, people and James who, Middleton well, I definitely don't put myself in that category but, people, but people who have popularised fitness and also yes broken it down and made it cool just to focus on the well, basics made it accessible one and who sort of really kept the sort of the, the principles of mm. fitness at the forefront of the people's brains. Yeah. Um, and just to say, actually, no, you don't need, mm. you know, the thousand of products out there. And you don't need to sort of pay for the most expensive gym membership. You do the basics right, and you're going to get results. Who's creeping through the corridor? I think that might be Harry Sellers. Is that Harry Sellers? Is that Harry Sellers? We've got Barry's trainer in the building. Do we have Harry Sellers? We might have his earphones in. Harry? Oh, it's Katie. Hey, Katie. Hey, Katie. How's it going? Sorry. Cool. You're, you're on right. a podcast now. You're, right. <laughs> you're on a podcast right now. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Nice to, nice, nice to meet you. Um, yeah. Do you know what I think? Because one of the things that you and I have spoken about is mm. um, this kind of dance that, as a coach, at times you have to do with um, what you know the client needs in relation to their goals versus what they think they want and sometimes that often comes down to language as well so it's not just asking to be entertained in their training session in a certain ways to entertainment but it's also using words which don't always actually replicate what they're asking for words like toning weight loss yeah entertainment wow you are a pioneer, aren't you? No, I stole that from someone else. Did you? Oh, well, well done. That's all I ever do. Good, good, good steal there. <laughs> um, no, I think you're right. I think the industry has gone from coaching to entertainer, now sort of coming back around through that loop to being back about a coach. And I think, yeah, boutique um, uh, personal trainers, fitness coaches, like Harry Sellers at Barry's um, <laughs> Bootcamp, they are very, very much conscious that they have uh, two roles to fill. Um, but the first one on the top of the tier there is coaching and entertaining second. Yeah. And um, the industry is a much better place for sort of having that understanding. Definitely. CrossFit went through the same evolution. It, it, it blew up, it exploded in popularity. And then after a few years, um, 
there were complaints of people getting injured trying to do crazy things crazy videos were going viral of them doing weird really weird stuff yeah or on the internet and all of a sudden they realized that they had to tighten up the ship a little bit and focus as always on quality first and then everything else can kind of follow from that and they did a good job of cleaning it up Mm. Um, don't get me wrong everybody likes to have a laugh and i think personal training has to you have to be on that personal level so you have to sort of give that amount of personality and persona lawrence you know you must really struggle give me some of that you must really struggle. I'll, I'll take some of that, please. <laughs> Mr. Watching paint dry. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think, you know, be entertained, but also be there to learn. And I think we are not solely responsible as trainers to uh, provide the entertainment and, and or educate. You have to sort of come in there as a, yeah. uh, as, as a client of ours or as a participant of a class willing to, to learn and educate and understand yourself. Um, even if that means that, you know, some people go to classes, this is me about to waffle, some people go to classes to sort of escape their daily routines, but if you're in the mindset of wanting to be, wanting to grow, then, you know, come in with the mindset that actually this is an opportunity for me to learn something. So listen to what the coaches have to say, apply yourself to, to the finer details, listen for cues that you might otherwise sort of just skirt over. Yeah, no, no, completely. And, and you're absolutely right. Some people do go um, to you know, a dance class because it makes them feel good and they're not really particularly bothered about Zumba, it. baby. Did yeah, you ever do I mean, Zumba? like, great. I, I'm all for it. And this is not at all in any way, um, you know, we're not, we're not putting down different methodologies and we're not putting down having fun when you're training because you need to enjoy it. But, um, you know, I think this is just us as personal trainers from the other side of it saying that with the different trends as they've come and gone and has the fitness industry has evolved, there have been times where, certainly I've felt it anyway, you felt under pressure to be overly creative in sessions or um, to adhere to language that isn't always accurate but sometimes you have to make concessions and you have to without sacrificing quality without Mm. sacrificing what you stand for as a coach you have to kind of do a little dance to make a little love make a little kid out I think you're right I think for me I've never really felt the pressure of having to um, sacrifice skill in the place of entertainment because I'm always quite lively I always quite enjoy sort of that's where a lot of my energy goes into the chill that entertainer chill that entertainer coach Mm -hmm. um but yeah I've never really felt the pressure although I have seen some trainers and coaches um certainly in the last two to five years perhaps um get the certificate go out smile laugh scream shout Mm -hmm. play good music and that be their limit of their skill set um, but I'm glad to see that sort of we've come through that bubble and we're now back into coaching. Yeah, we have, but there's still some of this, to go back to the language point, there's still some of this language um, or this confusion over language is still left over from that bygone fitness era. Oh, yeah. You still have, you still have people who will walk into the gym and um, the terminology would be, um, I want to turn up, weight loss and things like that. If I had a penny... <laughs> If I had a penny, Lawrence, for the amount of times people have inquired, um, can I please, I want to lose weight and tone up, um, I'd be a very, very wealthy man. Um, but I think, no, I think, it's, I think it's a good point to raise, and I think yeah, the language that we use as a coach, as a PT, is incredibly, incredibly important. I think, you know, I'm very, I don't, I don't want to ever criticise anybody for saying that because they're none the wiser, but as a PT and as a coach, I think it's necessary that we start to delicately go about sort of the conversation about language that we use and I think you're right and we are 
we owe this sort of limiting factor to the marketing gurus that have been in the fitness and wellness space over the last 10 years that have capitalized on phrases like lose weight and tone up. Um, whereas really that's the furthest thing from uh, principles. Mm-hmm. And James Smith talks about sort of um, all of the marketing teams being um, charlatans that really just sort of like hide principles away from the unsuspecting general public. So I think, you know, with him and through the magic of social media and vehicles like yourself, myself, James Middleton, Matt Carter, or all of my coaches at my studio, you know, we're doing a great job of highlighting that it's not weight loss that you want, it's fat loss. And then how we go about that is by being in a calorie deficit, but mm. by eating the best macros possible to build the amount of muscle that your body would need to counteract its poor posture at work and therefore increase your life expectancy and the quality of your life. Oh God, you're good. You are. <laughs> so, I mean, like, so, so obviously you've had to, as you say, if you've been given a penny every time, you've been asked this question, but how do you, um, so, so how do you approach this kind of topic then with, with a new client who's walked through the door, it's your first consultation, and without coming across condescending, patronising, as you say, none the wise. I don't really, Lawrence, no, yeah. I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. You're very good with the way you talk, and you, you do have a lot of compassion, as we talked about earlier, and it is a bit of a skill. And, you know, there, there, might, there might be, um, again, without sounding now condescending myself, there might be people listening to this who are coaches themselves who mm. also come up against this, this, this struggle and, but, but struggle to communicate in return in kind back to the client in those opening, you know, when you want to have that compassion, you want to help someone. Because sometimes it's not about, you know, you, someone comes and down and sits down in front of you, you want to have an open, honest conversation. You really want them to be able to feel relaxed and to open up. And they get the language wrong, which is going to happen because they're new to the fitness industry. And sometimes it's the, depending on who sat in front of you, sometimes the right time is to clean up the language there and then and to put them right. Sometimes it's a softly, softly approach and it can take a number of weeks and months. But ultimately the goal is to, to help them to feel comfortable and confident in the gym environment to train better. How do you, how do you go about that journey? So, this, this goes all the way back to Miss Harvey, A-level theatre studies. Oh. Right? Um, I remember a workshop that literally just blew my mind. <laughs> mirror and pace. Okay. So you've just got to mirror their body language, the pace in which they're speaking, the, the sort of the, how excited they get, at, you know, when they're talking about their own goals. And if you can sort of match that mm-hmm. whole conversation, you end up being on exactly the same page. And that's really sort of the baseline for my, I guess, skill of empathy or sympathy. And from there... You know, you are very much, like I said, on the same page. And I think from then you've earned their trust and then can start to sort of divulge information by, um, not by correcting them, but just saying, hey, in the industry, we don't really use weight loss anymore. Yeah. Because, <laughs> because like, who cares about your, you know, value on the gravitational force on, on planet Earth? Actually, we'd much prefer to talk about fat loss, you know, which might help you slip into a slightly smaller pair of jeans, if that's your goal. Um, it's very, yeah. very, very important not to assume anything um, at the same time. And I think you've just got to be conscious that, you know, your experience is very different to theirs. So gather as much information from that individual as you can yeah. whilst mirroring and pacing their, yeah. their, um, their tone, I guess. I think that's a really awesome, very detailed toolkit yeah. um, of how to, how to cope with it again. Because I think some of it comes down to... Um, I suppose emotional intelligence is that everyone's you know got different um, 
different ways in which they interact with people and it is it is quite hard it, it is a skill that you can develop and I think the advice you've given there is actually definitely something that we could all improve and work go away and work on and it's very useful for new PTs that might be listening to this as well yeah I think any any coaches out there they, they will have an understanding of what I've just said through sort of years of experience but any new PT to this that's hit listening to it I think you know it's very important to um, show that you're not shy of sharing emotion um, and sort of being vulnerable yourself um, I think you've got to sort of get them to open up by asking open questions and being mm. genuinely enthusiastic about hearing the responses you know open and smile with your eyes like mm. really trying to sort of draw information out of them not as if you're a you know hardened personal trainer with big bulging muscles yeah. even if you are that guy or, or girl you know you can still share a smile and, and that will go a long long way yeah yeah well, I think it's a good. long way I think it's good advice, Alex, and um, getting to someone to feel at ease in your company um, and to ultimately trust you on the journey, the incredible journey that you'll be taking on is, is, is the most important thing to nail down, first of all, and it's half the battle won. Oh, I've got some fitness industry stats for you for 2019. Oh, my goodness. There are 6.7 thousand health and fitness clubs in the UK. Wow half of which are just solely fitness clubs. Um, there are approximately 9.7 million members. Only Germany has more in Europe. This is the UK. Okay. 9.7 million members. And the annual to- turnover of the UK fitness industry is saying here's 1.9 billion. Wow. In 2019. Now, I was meant to have the stats for 2009 to compare this to, Alex, but we can't seem to find them anywhere, can we? No, I did look as well. I couldn't. We've, 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 we've looked. I mean, then maybe that is a sign that the circus <laughs> <laughs> 10 years ago, um, you know, that, that perhaps, you know, things were a little bit sort of yeah. all, over the, all over the place. It's a bit hard. I mean, I'm sure we could find the stats somewhere. Mm-hmm. We, we, we only spent half an hour on Google today, to be fair. Yeah, that's fair. I think I remember being 2010-11, managing Tottenham Court Road Fitness first, sort of a year, somewhere between there. And I remember there being 60 clubs in the division of London, okay. fitness firsts, mm. or circus 60 clubs. And then if you think, actually, back then there was probably only Virgin. Yeah, Esporta. Esporta. Oh my Virgin. goodness, yeah. 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 Because yeah. Fitness First wasn't Fitness First before Fitness First was born, was it? I think it was something else. Um, I can't remember. Mm. Anyway, there were <laughs> great statistics. Yeah. <laughs> well done, Alex. I, Good I, job. No, no. On the back there. Um, but I don't think that there was any boutique studios yeah. open yeah. that were running or successful or sort of charging down the sort of mm. the, the front of the magazines until Barry's Bootcamp. Yeah, which came over from LA. Which came over from LA. I actually went and had, I took Barry. For lunch. Yeah, yeah, oh, he right. is about as camp as a rotent. <laughs> I bet he's amazing. I uh, bet, I bet but he's he a wealth of knowledge, yeah. And yeah. I asked him, you know, I went over to LA to sort of say, like, I want to know and learn how they do it in the States. And I did, I'm doing 14 different sweat sessions in two weeks because I want to do a different sweat every day, take all that information, come back to the UK and sort of apply it to my own job and, and sort of grow from that way. Mm-hmm. Barry's was one that I wanted to know because he was the first, he was the original boutique studio. Is this before, sorry, before it had been established in the UK? So, 
No, I've been no, no. It was already established in. London. I was going to say, what amazing foresight you could have you could have yeah. bought the rights to Barry's bootcamp before it came to the UK. Well, yeah, he no, well, yeah, no. <laughs> Damn it, <laughs> no. If only I'd had that foresight five years ago. Yeah, um, but no, I think back then there was just commercial gyms, and mm. then Barry's bootcamp opened up, and then I think sort of London opened its eyes, and one, sort of, one rebel came. One rebel quite soon after, and I remember the seeing that advertising campaign on Facebook, and it was. It was. It didn't look like a gym because it looked more like a kind of high bar. Yeah, like a high fashion bar, clothing, head salon. What was yeah. it? Um, and obviously, rebel being the, the the operative word that they were going against the whole gym membership system and that you know people pay as you go for classes and so on. But yeah. clearly, from the stats that we're seeing here, an annual well nine point seven million, um, well one point nine billion pounds. Annual turnover. Yeah. How many fitness clubs? Six point seven thousand. Thousand, yeah. And of how many of those do you think? What percentage of those are commercial gym spaces? Well, again, it says here that there are approximately nine point seven million members, but that's memberships. That doesn't include individuals who go to one-off classes. Yeah, or, that's true. So that I mean, the growth of class pass and you know. Huge, massive huge, company, massive, absolutely huge. huge company. So this and this doesn't and this then doesn't also, I suppose, equate for the individuals who are now using tech to work out at home and having it streamed into their living rooms. And you've got obviously fit that I'm a part of another massive, another, massive, um, massive yeah. sort of advocate of working out at home because it's so accessible. And mm. you know, I, I, I love the fitness industry that we're in now because everything is so accessible and communities are welcoming new faces and new starters and. That for me as a PT is so exciting. I love yeah. having someone walk through my front door being like, this is my first step into the fitness world. I'm like, yeah. oh my God, this is amazing because I'm literally going to open your eyes to skills that you can learn, apps that you can download, confidence that you can build in the comfort of your own, comfort of your own room. Um, you know, my housemate's a trainer. Let's go to one of his classes together. You know, all of this amazing stuff. I think it's a really exciting time to sort of be in the fitness industry. Oh, mate, you've actually raised a really important point there because we've been talking a lot about, um, you know, um, the end user of the fitness industry, if you like. But we've also got this huge shift of what it feels like to be working in the fitness industry as a PT. And, you know, the last the last two years have been mega, haven't they, in terms of the, the community and the way it's all kind of come together. But, you know, talking about london because that's where we work and i'm conscious of the fact that we it can be a bit of an echo chamber and i know that there is a world outside of a fitness professionals and b the fitness professionals who exist in in london but for us um living working here for many many years pre the last couple of years that whole lone wolf thing was very much the way you operated yes you know you might have been working on the gym floor but you know it wasn't so um inclusive with other fitness professionals but now that was a different story. I, I mean, I remember my first day working at Fitness First being really bloody lonely. Yeah. Like, because everyone else in, the, in, in Fitness First signed up as a personal trainer that had to pay rent every week. Mm. You know, they were your competition. Exactly. Well, this is it. And, and, I, and I never, yeah. ever from day one went in with that attitude. Yeah. I was like, cool, all these yeah. guys do the same job as me, therefore, like, we should be mates. But everyone was paranoid about yeah everyone else and it was quite hard to get close to other people because people were pretty cold yeah. with you you know and worried that then you might steal their clients yeah. this, that, and the other. or criticize their methods completely the opposite yeah i think you know sort of like the people that you rub shoulders with are you are your best mates you know um I certainly in a commercial gym like fitness first and mm. 
yeah, that's great. But we see a lot more of each other now, not just from what we see on the gym floor, uh, you know, work colleagues. I'm talking about social, exactly social media. We see a lot more of what someone's about. And if, if you meet someone and you exchange, you know, your Instagram handles that go away and then you start seeing the way they work, the way they chat and the stories, who they are, what they're like, and you're like, actually, that person stands for a similar message to me. Let's hang out. I'm going to drop them a message. Let's meet up. Let's train. Yeah, let's compete at turf games together. Yeah. And before you, before you know it, you're kind of like yeah. bonded and you've got that kind of team community sense that, again, 10 years ago, it was a lot harder to establish that. Yeah, it was a lonely environment. It was lonely. It was. Yeah, I remember the first four years being like, this is mm. rubbish. Who do I speak to? I was excited to see my clients first thing in the morning yeah. and the evening because yeah. it was this eight hours of the day where mm. otherwise, you know, people in the city were working and interacting on the phone, earning money and this, that and the other in an office environment. I was on my own. Yeah. I was yeah. training, eating on my own. It's true. And uh, it, was, it was a bit of a dull place. Very different story now, Lawrence. We have got to a good place with it, basically. We're very, we're very happy, aren't we? And we, we feel like we've fallen on our feet, having gotten to the industry early when we did. Yeah. Um, in my case, not thinking I'd ever make a proper career out of it, but here we are making a proper career out of it. Is that what we're doing? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, it's valuable experience. I think it's experience that nobody starting the industry now will be privy to. Um, and I think, you know, I'm very fortunate for that. Lucky. I, do, I feel lucky. A bit jammy. But I love it. It's a great industry to be in. Yeah. Um, and I did find out, um, so I did a DNA test this week. Well, no, I did it weeks ago, but I got the results back. Yeah, you Neanderthal. Well, I found out a lot about myself. Um, and one of the things that I'm a high risk of is obesity. Are you? Yeah, very high risk of obesity. It was on like one of the kind of red kind of... Uh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So I actually think if I wasn't, if I hadn't chosen this job, if I wasn't lucky enough to be active playing rugby and if I had gone the other way um, and had been more sedentary on a day-to-day basis I would, I, would, I would probably be in a very different position so I'm very thankful of um, choosing the fitness industry from a personal health point of view yeah isn't that interesting it's mad it's mad yeah but I found, found out that I, I will put on weight easily if I'm not sort of active and obviously you know training often loving being a part of the fitness industry and having people like yourself to train with and to hang out with yeah. it's clearly the lifestyle factor that I needed to overcome what my genetics would be giving me. Do you know what's so interesting? And I, I know that we're jumping all around this, but drawing on what you've learned about me being in that recruitment consultant role for three months, I went from being in the gym as a... Oh my God, my stomach's rumbling. I'm hungry. Yeah. <laughs> talking about food. Um, I remember being super active at university, qualifying as a PT, going to the gym, training six days a week, to all of a sudden being a recruitment consultant for three months. Do you know how many times I went to the gym in that three months? Once. Yeah. One single time. And then if you think sort of, you know, that could have been my life, that could have been my career. And for so many people it is. Exactly, yeah. You know, and this is, you know, the the gym was my passion. So like how easy it was for me to sort of slip away from my normal routine going into that. Like, you know, and to talk about sort of like, had you not been working the way you were, you may have been in poor health. Yeah. You know, in a disease is all classified as obese. You know, it, the evidence is there. Like, I, I'm proof of that, that mm. I, you know, did literally not pay a single bit of attention towards the gym when I wasn't in, I yeah. didn't have access to it. It's, it's bloody hard. It's bloody hard to, isn't it? When you're not, when the environment and uh, the culture is pulling you in a different direction and then the pressures are to swim against, you know, that flow. I think that's also why it's, it's so exciting looking at the fitness industry through our eyes now is that 
the accessibility of it all is yeah. is is so prevalent. Yeah. You know, you are a, a master trainer at Fit. For anybody that doesn't know Lawrence, obviously you do. This is his podcast. My bad. <laughs> Tangent number twelve. Um, <laughs> you know, you can access the gym at home with a yoga mat, a simple individual one piece of equipment. You know, you all know what a phone is. You all know how to download an app. Like it's so exciting. Plus, we've got a seven point six thousand new opportunities to train in the UK, in London, very densely packed. Again, I'm sorry that we're talking about the London bubble, but you know, you walk down one road in London and tell me that there isn't a fitness studio, that there isn't a gym, yeah. you know, within sort of like at least a 20 meter or 20 to 200 meter radius. You know, um, you're um, lying. And we've got people who will be 100% supportive with you and for you for training goals, which are non-aesthetic related, which are functional. Yeah, and fun to obtain, and you can upskill, and um, yeah, it's yeah. it's in a great place, and we are very fortunate. So long may it continue. We'll meet up in ten years' time again, Alex, and we'll do, we do another that? podcast. Do you know what? Ten years? Can we push it to twenty? <laughs> Sick of looking at your handsome face. <laughs> All right, Alex. So um, this has been a fascinating chat, and I've absolutely loved it. As as I always do, the conversations that we have, um, chewing the cud, so to speak. But the time has come for me to expose your favourite song of the moment. Oh, no, you're joking. <laughs> your favourite song that you... That for this current chapter... <laughs> you must have known this is what it was for. No, I literally have no idea okay. why you asked this. So, your favourite song for this current chapter in your life is Miley Cyrus' <laughs> Slide Away. That's all right. There's nothing wrong with that. Mate, no, do you know what? And I sent you this as in the text message that... Yeah, it's a bit of a random one, but I'm obsessed. She's got some pipes on her. She can sing. She's 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 a fantastic. It's just artist. not a choice. I could have probably chosen some really cool deep drop. No, no, house, this but, this but you're no. honest and and mm. authentic, and that's all we could ever ask from you, Alex. So the lyrics again, we'll we'll I'll, I'll, we'll go through them and then we'll discuss in a bit of oh, depth, really? and you can let me know it. how it resonates and why it resonates with you before finally singing a song together. <laughs> I can't wait. So, first two lines. Woo oh. <laughs> Woo oo, woo oo, woo oh, woo oh, woo oo. Once upon a time, it was paradise. Yeah. Once upon a time, I was paralyzed. I think I'm gonna miss these harbor lights, but it's time to let it go. Yeah. Once upon a time, it was made for us. Woke up one day, it had turned to dust. <laughs> Baby, we were found, but now we're lost. So it's time to let it go. I want my house in the hills. I don't want the whiskey and pills. I don't give up easily, but I don't think I'm Dan. <laughs> so, um, right. I mean, why is this resonating with you so much right now? I mean... Having heard the lyrics. I don't know. I think, I think the whole, like... Man, you are so, such a pain in the arse having brought this up because there's just no avenue I can talk about this without trying to sound like... I always say, this is me not taking the piss, but no, subliminally, this, subliminally, there is something there is, connecting yeah. with you here, Alex. I think, I think, like, right, okay, so let's talk about the whiskey and pills part of it. Yeah. Like, you don't want that. I don't want the frills. I think, I think this maybe echoes from my small uh, stint in the public eye as a um, very minor triple Z list. Um, don't break yourself down like that remember my wife's whatsapp hey, group no, I mean, I'm sorry about that yeah no I think I think it's sort of like I certainly suffered 
for probably three to six months, perhaps a little bit longer, post um, reality TV, um, getting my head back into the frame of mind of being, um, or accepting that, you know, opportunities that were promised my way by, by agents and um, people that were involved with, the, with this, uh, with the TV show world, um, didn't come my way. And I think I sort of had made peace with that. I think maybe there's something about sort of like um, that lyric being that, you know, living the high life and having all that fun stuff, but then not needing it or don't want it. And it's like, actually, I think I made peace with the idea that I didn't want or need the high life. I was very happy and complacent and, and um, life is really enjoyable. It was beforehand and there's no reason that, that it can't be currently. Um, and, you know, having discussed everything that we have done today, Lawrence, I'm actually even more enthusiastic and encouraged yeah. to sort of see the journey over the last 10 years and excited for tomorrow and the next 10 years as so well. You, so you learnt a lot, but you, that, that chapter of your life when, when the TV series that you learnt a lot about what it actually is that you want on a day-to-day basis and how you want to live your life. And it was about, you know, the house and the hill, not the whiskey and the pills. It was about... Yeah. It was about um, coaching, spending time with people in the fitness industry who know well. It wasn't about going to the celeb parties and and the, and the sort of empty promises of celeb world and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think I think I think that's right. I think I just want you know I have and always much preferred being in a relationship and loving sort of really nurturing relationships and people that are close to me um, and sort of stepping into that world briefly where things were promised and life was going to change and then it didn't I think it was sort of uh, I got lost a little bit yeah um, but very very fortunate to have an incredible family and close friendship um, network around me that sort of um, helped pull me back up the line I guess and now you're in a bloody great place all the sort of mentally stronger wiser experienced for it Personal oh, yeah. growth must have been huge. Yeah, massively so. I think the first, I think, you know, the experience was very much positive. There were a lot of negatives to come with it. But um, I think I am very lucky that I have learnt from it. So if other opportunities came around of similar, I would have been much better equipped to deal with it. Once upon a time, it was paradise. <laughs> Once upon a time, I was paralysed. Think I'm gonna miss these harbour lights, but it's time, time to let, let it go. <laughs> your verse? No, it's your verse. No, keep going. No, we can sing it together. Three, two, one. Once, Once upon a time, time it was made, made for us. us. I can't read your handwriting. <laughs> one day <laughs> and it turned to dust. Baby, we were found, but now we're lost, so it's time to let it go. Yeah. Fantastic, that was brilliant. Alex. I got emotional then. Mate, always emotional around you. But thank you so much. <laughs> thank you, dude. Thanks for coming on the pod, Walk with Lawrence. Uh, honestly, mate, uh, there's so much um, so much good stuff there to talk about. The industry has come a long way in 10 years, and we are so lucky to have been there for the ride. Here's to another 10 years of yeah, this man. fantastic ride. It's genuinely really exciting. I can't wait to sort of be a part of it. The next 10 years, I think bearing in mind the trajectory that we've witnessed yeah i think the industry the next 10 years is going to be even more exciting and mind-blowing even more people getting into fitness and experiencing the benefits than ever before so are you ready for the ride hold my hand let's do it let's go (laughs) okay this is the outro the podcast is now finished but don't hang up the phone yet 
I mean, turn off the phone. I mean, turn off the podcast because I have one more favor to ask you. If you liked the podcast, which presumably if you got this far, you did, I did something right. Please subscribe. Please leave a review. And most importantly, please tell all of your friends because it's just going to be so embarrassing if no one listens to this. I need you on my side to push this out into the world wide web. Please, please help. Please tell everybody, please. And thank you so much. Write a review. Have you done it yet? Have you written that review? See you next time. Bye. Have you written the review yet? Yeah.